It is two teams with the same record, but heading in very, very different directions. Oh, boy. We continue our coverage of Falcons and Texans as we once again head out to the wadeford.com hotline to kick off our number two of the program. We say bienvenue to our next guest, DJ Bienami. DJ, appreciate the time. How are you? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good. You know, right now I just caught in you know traffic. Atlanta got some nasty traffic, man. I can't I can't lie, but beautiful city. Don't get us started, DJ. You're gonna you're gonna kick up a whole can of worms, my guy, man. Talking about the traffic in the ATL. All right, one guy who's been weaving his way in and out of traffic, that is the quarterback of the Houston Texans, CJ Stroud. Talk to me about what you've seen so far in his young season and his rookie campaign, his growth and development. Yeah, no, I think uh, from – you know, I keep track of everything, as most reporters do, with, like, the quarterback. I've been looking at practice and in games, preseason games, NFL games. And just from seeing it from OTAs all the way through um, now, you know, the, the constant theme from coaches have been he always improves. He's always getting better. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. And obviously the, the same mistake twice is a massive cliche. People make the same mistake twice all the time in football. But um, – it's more about like how he's really progressed and built on the foundation that he created. I remember watching them in the beginning of training camp when D'Amico was saying there was a quarterback competition between him and Davis Mills. It legitimately felt that way, right? Like it was because like there were times where Davis looked slightly better than CJ, but then like it was a Saturday practice where like the first it was like, it might have been like August fifth or something like that, but I think it was it was August fifth. But he just looked so much more control, way more command, was getting the ball in and out of, you know, in and out of his hands, was reading defense quickly, was being extremely decisive. And from that day on, it looked like something turned, something clicked, where he was playing a lot more freely. And you've kind of seen that carry. And you see him get better week in and week out. Like, even when you go to the preseason, if you look at the first game, he he didn't look great. Three interception on the second pass, went three and out on the second drive. Like, it didn't look good. Obviously, he got sacked. was pressured a lot. But in the second game, he, he made some really nice throws, led the team to points, got him three points. And then the third preseason game, he got him into the end zone. It was making some really, really exceptional throws. And in the first regular season game, you saw him go against the Ravens. He got beat up a lot, but he stayed, he stayed in there, was still making good throws. And then each week, you just kind of saw it progress and build and build and build. So, um, I think, you know, from CJ, we, we – it's been extremely impressive just to see the growth and maturation from a guy that just turned 22 a couple of days ago. Yeah, and he's done all of this virtually without the help of much of a running game at all. And I'm somebody who really liked Damian Pierce when he first came out of college and made a splash with the Texans. Is that going to be a featured part of the game plan, you think, to get the running game back on track versus the Falcons tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they want to run the ball. I think the biggest issue was their whole entire offensive line was decimated, right? Like the left tackle missed three games. The right tackle was on the IR to start the year, like the designated to return. Same with the center, the left guard, the starting left guard. He blew out his shoulder the last preseason game and on the season ending IR. Then you had to start like the original starting center in training camp. And Scott Questenberry, he tore his ACL and MCL first week of training camp. And then the backup for Laramie Tunsil, Josh Jones, who they traded for at the end of training camp, he got hurt because um, he was also playing left guard and left tackle. And then he got hurt. Then you also had like the backup left guard who stepped in for Kenyon Green. Um, he's like, he's, yeah, because once Josh Jones went to left tackle, Kendrick Green, who they traded for, also went to the starting line of playing and was the starter for at left guard. And then he got hurt. So, like, 
that's like five guys on top of my head that I just named that got hurt. Um, so I think a lot of that had to do with Damian Pierce's struggles because, you know, with the offensive line, a lot of it is just synergy, knowing when for guys to, you know, when they do like double teams and things of that nature, when to move off of that block and then move up to the second level. That takes chemistry. That takes experience. That takes practicing with one another and things of that nature. So I think now that Laramie's going to be back, Titus is going to be back, um, the center eventually will be back, but they're kind of set there where I think Titus is going to play left guard tomorrow. I think Fant, George Fant, who they brought in at the beginning of training camp, is going to stay at right tackle. I think they're going to bring um, put Titus Howard at left tackle, the guy that they gave an extension to who was their right tackle last year. Um, and I think they're going to try to run behind that left side because the right side of the offensive line, for whatever reason, has been fairly healthy since the season starts. She's been at left side. There's been decimated injuries. So that right side has good chemistry and good continuity. The left side, while they haven't played together this year, they've played together in the past. So I think that uh, you're going to see a lot of them running to the left side of the field to at least get those two guys, run behind the two boss offensive linemen. You mentioned uh, head coach D'Amico Ryans in his first season. What has he come in and instilled in this organization that has allowed things to turn them around pretty quickly? Hmm. What has he instilled? Um, I think – I don't really think it's anything he's particularly instilled, right? Because, like, if I give you, like, if I say, oh, he brought toughness or but like, that'd just be cliches. I think what he's done is, like, brought in staff that build or, like, build schemes that fit around their players versus trying to fit their players into the scheme. Um, obviously, you know, there's tug and pull there, but a lot of the guys offensively and defensively fit what they're trying to do naturally. Um, and obviously, you, you can make your tinkers, but, like, defensively, the D-line, like, they're two, like, they're, they're in. Will Anderson, Jonathan Gennard, Sheldon Rankins, like, those three guys right there, they specialize in really being able to rush up the field and create penetration that way. And then the linebackers is more about being instinctual and playing sideline to sideline. Christian Harris and Harry Toloto, they're really good at playing sideline to sideline. And you have this Perryman who's really good again downhill. So that's natural fix for those guys, right? And on the secondary, Steven Nelson's played in a bunch of uh, schemes. So he's basically scheme-proof. He can play any type of scheme. He, he knows how to – he understands football. Jalen Petrie is a playmaking type of safety. So that's an easy – like, you don't have to really do too much to make a guy like that fit. And then you have Jimmy Ward, who played in the system prior. And then you have Shaq Griffin, who – because, you know, Derek Stingley's been on IR. Shaq Griffin played under Pete Carroll. And Pete Carroll, secondary-wise, when – Chad Griffin was there. They ran a lot of the same stuff that you see uh, D'Amico Ryan's running in terms of the simplicity. So, yeah, I mean, like, I would say, like, that's been the biggest thing is, like, he's had a scheme that fits the defensive players and offensively uh, hiring a guy like Bobby Slowick, who runs a West Coast Kasha head type of offense where you need your quarterback to be more of a point guard and distributor who has a screen, you know, pristine ball placement is really good on, on script with timing. And CJ is phenomenal at that. So I think it's just the fact that, you know, they have players that fit what they're trying to do. Talking all things Falcons and Texans with DJ Bien, me of ESPN. All right. You mentioned Jimmy Ward. He had a comment this week that got things cooking here a little bit in Atlanta, talking about how the Falcons have a lot of weapons, but they don't use them a ton, and uh, their plan is going to be to run the ball. What did you make of his comments? Did you think he was singling out uh, Desmond Ritter when he made those comments? Yeah, for sure. I, I think I, th- I think it was singling out Desmond and Arthur Smith, right? Because like at the end of the day, Arthur got to call the plays. So I think he's more just. I think he's doing both, and I think I mean I can't knock him for that. Like let's just be honest. I mean you guys see the Falcons every week. 
You guys see saw Desmond at practice. You guys saw him in preseason. Like the the stats and the results are what it is. You know, like I think it was the first game of the year where Desmond Ritter had what went four for four to start the game with a touchdown and negative yards. I think negative one or zero yards passing. Like that just shows like Arthur Smith isn't trying to allow Desmond Ritter to blow the game and push the ball down the field uh, because you know Desmond at this point of his development isn't ready for that type of responsibility. I mean, the numbers speak for himself. I mean, right now he's has the third worst QBR in the NFL, QBR of like 29. Um, he's been sacked 16 times. And, you know, for me, sacks are more of a quarterback's uh, stat. So that means, you know, he hasn't been getting rid of the ball. And obviously 16 sacks is fourth most in the NFL. And his average yards for attempt, which is 5.6, that's bottom eight in the NFL. And, again, like the dead last in passing yards per game at 156. So, in all honesty, it's, it's, I mean, the numbers and the film back it up. So, Jimmy Ward saying that was just more saying what everybody already kind of knew. Yeah, that's unfortunately uh, true, the part about all the statistics you just rattled off there. So, based on everything you just said, do you think it's safe to say that the number one plan for the Texans on defense is going to be to stop Bajon Robinson? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like when someone goes to go play the New York Giants, right? It's when Saquon's out there. Even though, you know, I think Daniel Jones is the more valuable player. I mean, the most, the most important thing for a defense is to stop Saquon and put the game in Daniel Jones' hands to make him try to make plays and things of that nature. I think the same thing with Desmond, right? Like he's at that stage of the career where you want to make him beat you with his arm and limit B. John Robinson. The only thing is the Texans allow, I believe, I think 119 yards rushing per game. So I don't know if they'll be able to really slow down B. John, but – I think it's going to be more than one of those games where it just comes situational. Who, who's better in the red zone? Who's better on third downs? And I think that's when you will have a really good idea on who's going to win that game. Because I don't think they'll be able to completely shut down um, the rushing attack. Because even the Steelers, they're able to have some success um, on the ground game. And I think the Colts did too to a lesson. Yeah, the Colts had some success. So, like, there's some leakage in the Texas run defense. Because, again, it's the first year under D'Amico. And then last year, like, because it's basically the same guys in the front. The only new guys are Sheldon Rankins, Will Anderson, and uh, Denzel uh, Perryman. Oh, and actually, obviously, Henry Toto. But the majority of guys that play in the front, they were there last year when the rush defense allowed the six most rushing yards in NFL history. So uh, they're, they're not a stout uh, run defense yet, but the game plan is going to be uh, centered around slowing down Bijan Robinson. He's obviously just getting his feet wet in the NFL, but Will Anderson, everybody thinks, could be a game-breaker. Have you seen flashes of that so far? What's his performance been like through four games? Yeah, I've been impressed with Will Anderson. I mean, he, he's been double-teamed at, like, the second-highest rate behind – well, I, I won't say second-highest, but double-teamed at, like, the – I go to be safe, top-ten top rate behind guys like Michael Parsons and, and people like that. So, like, that's why the sack numbers aren't there, but pressure-wise – He's been able to get pressures. I think he's top 15 in that category. And um, pass rush win rate, at ES, the ESPN stat, he's right behind Michael Parsons. So, like, he's doing his job. It's just more about, you know, just getting those opportunities to get to a quarterback because a lot of teams, they do throw a lot of passes underneath because they know the pass rush can be a little prolific. And um, the Texans on, like, first and second downs kind of play like a vanilla defense. So, instead of playing a vanilla defense, you can get those cheap completions and they can get the ball off fast. It's kind of like third down, so you have the opportunity to try to really get after the passer because team quarterbacks, opposing quarterback, complete over 70% of the passes when they throw against the Texas defense because they're, you know, they're, they're checking it down, things of that nature. But when it comes down to pushing the ball down the field, 
uh, teams haven't been able to do that with as much success. But the underneath stuff, they've given that up for sure. All right, last one as we wrap up our conversation with DJ Bienami of ESPN covering the Houston Texans. The entire AFC South right now, two and two. I don't think a lot of people thought that. It was presumed to be Jacksonville's division to lose this year, but do you think this thing is going to be wide open until the end? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think I, I don't think the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to win a division regardless. Um, who everyone, I think the Titans are still going to win it, but I could see the Texans if they win the next two games. Because they'll be 4 2 going to the bottom. They got to play teams like the Panthers, the Jets, the Bengals who are struggling, um, the Broncos. So they'll have some kind of, I don't want to say cupcakes, because and no team is a cupcake in the NFL, but some late, some easier matchups in terms of, um, you know, just overall mood of that team and morale of that team. Um, the, so I think it is wide open, period. Because the Jags, they started for the Bills, the Niners, the Browns, the Chiefs. Now, they got a hellacious schedule, which is why I never understood why people were just ready to crown them. They just got a really good quarterback. But the NFL is a team game, and I think, you know, people in our industry sometimes forget that. That, you know, if you have a star quarterback, this means they can block for themselves, run for themselves, catch for themselves, and play defense. You know, like, you, just because you got one star player doesn't mean you're going to be able to get to the playoffs and win a division with ease. So um, I think the Texans go 4-2 into the bye, I think that they'll control their destiny going into December. Well, they'll face the Colts and Titans for three out of the last four games to conclude the year. All right, DJ, great job. Appreciate the time. And uh, stay patient, my friend, in that Atlanta traffic. We know it all too well. Yeah, no problem. No problem. We still, we, we, me and my girl, we still own this traffic. We still in this traffic. But it, it's not, it, the, the cars are moving. The cars are moving. The other side ain't, but this side is. So I'm happy with that. Welcome to Atlanta, my friend. Enjoy the game tomorrow. No problem. Thank you, guys. All right, DJ Bienemy there of ESPN covering the Houston Texans. And as we all know too well, dealing with that Saturday afternoon going into the evening when the weather's this good, everybody's going to be out trying to get somewhere tonight. I know I'm looking at 7 o'clock when I get out of here and whole beautiful city is in front of me that's right e i see you shaking your head behind the glass there speaking of which how about five falcons true false questions with our man eric slaughter coming up just about five minutes so don't go anywhere sports radio 92 on the game odyssey app yeah so our last guest dj bnme from espn basically confirming what we all thought that the Texans are not exactly expecting Desmond Ritter to rip it and let it loose tomorrow against which uh, has been a surprisingly good defense, I'd say, for the Texans. Better than expected, maybe. Not that they're world beaters, but the team in and of itself is better than a lot of us expected. And I just feel like the uh, the national disrespect for Desmond Ritter continues. But it's hard to defend at this point, and that's been a lot of the talking points throughout the week here on Sports Radio 929 The Game, when the last two weeks have gone the way that they have, it's really hard to get on this microphone and say that Desmond Ritter's been anything other than incredibly disappointing. And I think that that's being fair and sort of rational about it, but there's been a lot of other people who have said a lot more harsh things. Like, if you search Desmond Ritter on the X and on the Twitter, it ain't going to be pretty, folks. I'll tell you that right now. And that's from... Angry Falcons fans, that's the national media, that's everybody. And it's unfortunate because when that's the thing that's holding you back, it sticks out like a sore thumb because all eyes are on the QB. All right, with that negativity out of the way, I know my producer Eric Slaughter has five electric questions about the Falcons ready to go. So let's get to it. 
It's time for five true or false questions on the other side of the glass. Which teams in the ATL will thrive? Which teams will make you scratch your head? On Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Oh, man, I'm a little rusty. It's been a minute since we've done this segment together, brother. How you doing? Yeah, man, it's been a while. You know what? With the uh, NCAA schedule and everything, they got me moving around all over the clock. So yeah, it's good I know to be you back morning to and nights, But I, I do want to say this, man. Great job filling in for uh, Call. And um, I hope you had that written down somewhere, how you dropped all four names of his government. About 15, 20, maybe an hour ago. Because if you had, I mean, where'd you get that from? You just pulled it out of your I head? I pulled it out of, that was, that was just, you know, I'm working on my I mean, five-minute I mean, stand What you doing, his taxes or something? Oh, no, <laughs> no, that's not actually Carl's real full name. That's just me giving him some love off the top. Because no, I said, right. if anyone who missed it, I said we have to give Carl a welfare check. Because mm-hmm. the way that his tex- Texas uh, Longhorns lost today Yikes! That yeah, man is, yeah, yeah. If he's got a twelve pack of Hey Man sitting beside yeah, him, uh, he's, he's through. Gonna be cry- <laughs> there's going to be some tears in those beers tonight, my friend. All right, so let's do this. Falcons true false got this big game coming up tomorrow with the Houston Texans. I mean, which way will this go? So let's say this: When Bijan goes, the Falcons goes. Okay, he had 14 carries last week, but he had 19 versus uh, Green Bay in Week Two. That's really what he got off. So true or false? Tomorrow, Bijan totes the rock. 17 or more times. True, he's going to have to. I mean, if they're going to win, if they're going to win any game at this point until Ritter can prove that he can do more with the ball pushing it down the field and being more accurate with his throws, that the offense is going to have to run through him. And that's been part of the problem, E, because when you're that predictable, the defense is going to adjust, and that's what we've seen the past two weeks. You stuff the box and you dare Desmond Ritter to beat you with his arm, and he hasn't shown that he's been able to do that. So it's not Bajan's fault that he has to be the center point of the offense. If you can't get the ball to your receivers in space and make accurate throws down the field, it's going to be on him, but... That's a large task to have to put underneath you when you're basically running into a brick wall every single time you touch the touch the rock and it's on you and your God-given athleticism to make two, three, four people miss just to gain six yards. It's tough. Yeah, I agree with you 100%, but, um, you know. He that's why we, he's that number eight pick overall, and uh, your fantasy owners and you're loving it definitely if he gets those carries. By the way, can we get Algier more touches too? Yes, the first absolutely. couple of weeks he was bowling ball people, he was yeah. running over folks, and the past couple of weeks I feel like he's been not taken out of the game plan entirely. And I know when you get down, you have to throw the ball more, but he's a weapon. You got to use him on the ground game too. Agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. All right, so let's talk about. You had a great conversation with DJ about what CJ Stroud has been doing through his first four games. So true or false? The Falcons D can hold him to two fifty or less through the air. Boy, I hope so. <laughs> That's a good round number to pick. I'm going to say true. Um, there's a lot, and here's my reasoning why. There's a lot of savvy vets on this Falcons defense now, so this is a perfect spot for. Jesse Bates to have another interception or maybe for Calais Campbell to finally get that sack number 100 that he's been looking for to start the season so far. So I think when you have a young quarterback, even if he's good, you can bait him into certain things as a defense. And it seems like one of the strengths that we saw in week one against Bryce Young was exactly that. You took a quarterback who is making his first NFL start in the regular season, and basically you scheme the defense to make him think he's seeing one thing, and then, you know, a a second later, there's a guy in his face catching the ball, like Jesse Bates had two interceptions 
in week one. So I think that could be a formula to look to go back to against the Texans because it was so successful against Bryce Young. You are 100% correct. The formula of turnovers leads to victories. So with that in mind, over or under, true or false, I say the over is one and a half. True or false, the Falcons can get more than one and a half turnovers. Well, based off the theory that we were just discussing, I'm going to hope so. I'm going to say true. I'm going to say maybe, you know, Stroud throws a pick and then one of their running backs who, as we talked about with DJ Bien-Ami, who have been struggling to get going, maybe one of them coughs it up as they're trying to establish the running game. But it's basically going to come down to that because the bottom line is, again, nobody believes that you can put this game on Desmond Ritter's shoulders and say, go get him, kid. And that's really unfortunate because this would be a prime spot to do so. You're facing a quarterback who is having success through his first four games, but like I said, when you put him up against a veteran-savvy defense, a lot of things can be exploited there. But if the quarterback on the other side is not is not able to take advantage of those things, you know, you get a turnover and then you go three and out, what good is it? I mean, that's basically what it comes down to. So for, for the defense to be able to turn them over twice, I think they can do that easily. They've shown the ability to do that. But unfortunately, what it all comes back down to is what is Ritter and the offense going to do with the ball once they get it back? And until we see it, I think a lot of Falcons fans at this point with Ritter are in a wait-and-see type of mode. He has to go out there and prove that he can do it on the field before we just give him the benefit of the doubt that with the ball in his hands, he can make things happen. All right, so rolling along this week's edition of uh, Falcons True and False. And um, when I thought of this next question, I kind of looked at the number like three times, like, mm, this might be a good question. It might not. But I'm going to go ahead and run with it. All right, so we're about, what, 30, 35, 40 minutes so from first pitch up there at Truist Park. Yep. All right. Braves, definitely a team on a mission. If they get it to the, uh, to the chip, they need 11 wins. Okay? Now? Nothing necessarily said it's going to happen, but 11 wins is the destination. So you're saying 11 wins get you the World Series Get you the World Series Okay, gotcha. So true or false, the Falcons win more regular season games than the Braves win postseason games. I mean, I got to say false, right? (laughs) How can I say say true? (laughs) With the way they've looked the last two weeks, man, I know Detroit's a good team. And I know Jacksonville is supposed to be a good team, and they've been kind of eh. I mean, e they've they've just looked so bad. The offense is just so bad right now. So I have to assume that. Okay, even if I give the benefit of the doubt that the first two games and the last two games we meet somewhere in the middle, that's still not that good, unfortunately, for Desmond Ritter. And but you meet in the middle, they could get the nine. But they're not getting to 11. So you're saying the Braves get it all? Well, I think the Braves the Braves have a much more likely chance of winning 11 games than the Falcons do. Absolutely. So, I mean, so bottom line, I'm really trying to see if you think the Braves are going to win this thing. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I think they're the best team in baseball right now, and I don't think there's any reason to assume otherwise until they get beaten. I mean, I know they got bad news about Kyle Wright today, but, again, he really wasn't going to be in the postseason plans for the Braves at this point anyway, but getting it back to the Falcons, I mean, what what logical fan after what we saw the last two weeks would tell you that this team has nine wins left in it? 
I mean, I think you'd mo- I think you'd be more likely to say half of that, right. four or five more wins maybe. But this that's why this is such a big game because the Texans are a team that are a perfect measuring stick point at, right now. Yes, they're not great or even very good, but they're spunky and they're fighting and they have a good head coach who's establishing himself in the NFL right now as someone who could build a program that we asked DJ about as well in the interview. And you have a quarterback who's starting to find his footing just four games into his career. So if you can't beat this team, how are you going to beat, you know, the the Eagles of the world, the 49ers of the world? Like, Luckily, if, neither of them on the schedule. Right. But, <laughs> but eventually, you know, if you're thinking playoffs with 11 yeah. wins, because that's where you would be in the playoffs with 11 wins, right. those are the teams you're going to have to go up against. And right now, the Falcons are just simply not in that class until they prove otherwise. And – the Texans aren't either, so if you lose to them, I mean, yeesh, what does okay. it say about you? All right, so we got two consecutive home games versus two winnable opponents, Houston and Washington. So true or false, if the Falcons win these two home games in two weeks from now, because you're off next week, big guy, I don't know what you're going to do. You're going to party already next Saturday. But in two weeks, the narrative around this team, true or false, completely changes. It could, and but, but. It all depends on how Desmond Ritter looks. If we two wins is two wins. No, it's not because you because everyone knows that those two wins will be paper tiger wins because they're against teams that aren't that great. And if the quarterback doesn't play well, then what does it mean? You're not building. See, th- this is what I've been saying and trying not to scream about into this microphone for months now. This season was not about building anything. This season was supposed to be establishing yourself as a true contender, not only in your division, but in the entire league. This isn't a build-me-up buttercup season. This is a season where everything was supposed to come together and you were supposed to make a real run at your division and a playoff spot. And right now, with the way that the quarterback's performing, neither of those things are going to happen. So, no, you can't look at it with rose-colored glasses, even if you win the next two games and Ritter goes, you know, 14 of 22 for 167 yards, one touchdown and two interceptions. That's not good enough. That's not what is going to, you know, build your program to the point where you need it to be. So that's where I got to disagree with you because, yes, wins are great in the NFL and you take them every way that you can get them. But when you're in this specific situation that the Falcons are in, man, you have to have the win and the quarterback play better. Otherwise, otherwise what? So you're going to say Arthur Smith. So they win two in a row. They're four and two. Yep. And then you're going to say, all right, Arthur Smith, despite winning four games out of six, you should still make the quarterback change. What? What? Type, you can't make that narrative work. No, you can't. So you you're can't. stuck this, with this. This is, this, is, this is what? What? Don't you love a job? Don't you love this job? Yeah. We so, can so just so do this stuck, all day. So you're stuck between a rock and a hard place because the quarterback isn't playing well enough, but you're still winning games. So you can't make the switch, but you should make the switch. But is that better for the team? Like you're you're just in this. Miserable place of being just good and, enough to win, but not good enough to have your quarterback play well. And, and Chris, um, kind of think about to last year when we had the uh, what's, how's Freaky said? You know how he says it. The noodle arm quitter. The noodle arm quitter. Wasn't that kind of the same thing they kept saying last year? Well, we can't make the change. We're still in the well, running for the playoffs in the division. I hate to say it this way. Marcus Mariota gave you a better shot in most games than Desmond Ritter has so far. And that's not a good place to be in right now. As bad as Mariota was and quitter and all, Ritter still has not performed even up to the 
very low standard that Marcus Mariota set last year, for the most part. All righty, good job. Appreciate you as always. Coming up next, a lot of other important NFL games going down tomorrow. We will get to an NFL sound check, bring you the best sounds and highlights from the week that was, and preview what's ahead. Don't go anywhere. Sports Radio 929 The Game, Odyssey app. Back with you here on Sports Radio 929 The Game. It is Chris Thomas hanging out with you. Still 7 o'clock, Atlanta United pregame comes your way then. Big match for the five stripes. Just a couple left in the regular season before the playoffs get underway. I believe they are currently sitting in that number six spot. So in the playoffs and rip-roaring and ready to go tonight at 7.30. There's a lot going on in the NFL, and we're going to get there in just a second. But before we do, e, I got to ask you a question because – Two franchises had sequels slash reimagining of the franchise movies come out this week. And two of my favorites. Are, first of all, are you a horror movie guy? Uh, more in the 70s, 80s, and 90s than I have been since the 2000s and so. Okay, well, this first one will be right up your alley. The Exorcist. The oh. new Exorcist movie came out, I believe, yesterday. Okay. And it's unfortunately getting very bad reviews. But a Saw revival. Yeah, 10, slash, right? Saw 10 it's, or whatever it's, it's, it's like it's a sequel, but like it's not. It's like kind of rebooting the franchise, but it's staying true to it. So I don't really know how to describe it, but that one is supposed to be excellent. Now, hmm. my first question to you is, do you have any interest in seeing either of those? I, I will see them, but I will wait until they get to a streaming platform. Okay, so not not making you race out and go to the theater that's across the way here. Not going to do that. Okay, unless so, unless you know where's the uh, the the comp tickets or something like that around here. Shouldn't they get some passes around? You know, just, they should. Hey, like a neighborly. Yeah, sort you know, of like, hey, hey, welcome, come, come check out the new theater. Yeah, hey, you're smart enough, and you've been around the block to know long enough. Ain't nothing free in this world no more. Hey, my I hope friend. the boss ain't listening. I don't want no emails. Yeah, ain't nothing. <laughs> All right. Um, next question to you is: We talked about this a little bit on Dukes and Bell, and I wanted to continue the conversation here a little bit. Most sequels. For franchises, in your opinion, good or bad? Bad. The sequels usually never live up to the original. Almost, They, they often exceed in box office numbers because people want to see the next installment, but they almost never live up to the original. I agree with you wholeheartedly, and that's what made me a little bit sketchy about both of these movies coming out because I like both franchises. Now, The Exorcist, I think you can argue the only good one was really the first one. Um, they've made like six or seven remakes of different varieties of, you know, trying to make it more mainstream in the 2000s. But, but then, once you spin a young girl's head around, I mean, you yeah, can't where, top where, that. Yeah, where are you going to go You from can't there? top that. And the scene where she crawls down the stairs backwards. <laughs> oh, man, that scared the ever-loving. That's cinema, that's cinema gold. Yeah, you know you what, You can't me. do it. And then uh, with the Saw franchise, how many ways can you kill a dude or a woman? Yeah, I well. mean, you would think they would have done it all by now, but apparently there's a scene in there that's one of the best that they've ever done. So I just wanted to check in with you on that because I agree with you. I feel like most of the time a franchise does a sequel or makes it a series, you can just you can never top the original, man. There's just something about that OG that makes it different. All right, with that said, we got to get to a sound check. Chris reacts to the best sounds from the best athletes and coaches in the A. And beyond. You're not listening. It's time for Sound Check on the other side of the glass. Sports Radio 92.9, the game. By the way, if you have a favorite 
sequel franchise. You want to prove me wrong? What's a series or franchise that maybe not has gotten better with each one, but is at least on par with the original? Hit me up on Twitter at C Thomas Radio or text into the show at 404-726-0929. What is a franchise that has more than one installment that keeps it running? Because most of them fall flat on their face. All right, let's get to some NFL talk. Mike McDaniel was talking about what the heck happened last week versus the Bills. That was supposed to be the game of the weekend, and the and the Dolphins got absolutely waxed, lose by 20. Luckily this week they get the hapless Giants, so you would expect them to bounce back and win. But, Coach, your team, what a letdown. First off, I think the Buffalo Bills proved why they are the, the, the team that, you know, the, our whole division is trying to beat. They've, you know won it for how many years in a row now? Yeah, I mean, I get that sentiment, but why are you looking at the pe- – why are you talking about old stuff, Coach? I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Like, this Miami team that hung a 70 spot on the Broncos a week before, now all of a sudden gets the break speed off them by 20 by the Bills, who, by the way, of course, as you know, are division rival. But everything should be right in Dolphin land this weekend because the Giants, let me tell you something <clears> – <throat> They are terrible, and I don't think Saquon Barkley is going to play this week again. All right, next up, this is interesting. What the heck is going on in Cincinnati? Joe Burrow is not 100%. They can't score any points. You think our offense is constipated. What about their offense? Might actually be worse if that's humanly possible. But Jamar Chase obviously not happy with what's going on with his offense. I'm open. I'm always open. Excuse my profanity. Yeah, and I get his sentiment there. He's supposed to be WR1, one of the best guys in the league, and he's clearly feeling it right now with that offense. Uh, I think there's going to be a, a sequel coming up of uh, just throw me the damn ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And But you know what? He's a, he's a guy that's established himself in this league that wants to feel like he can put the offense on his back when it's struggling and he can get them the ball. But the problem is if Joe Burrow's hobbling around on one leg, now what I've gathered from looking into this situation and doing a little research is that it's not that he can't throw the ball. It's whenever he tries to move around in the pocket that the leg is not cooperating. If he's just standing back there and trying to throw the ball, it's not that bad. But it's whenever he tries to move around in the pocket or extend a play that that's when the calf is starting to bark up on him. So we shall see. The Bengals obviously nowhere near where they thought they'd be to start this season. All right. One guy who got a game ball last week and who basically said, hey, remember me, the defensive player of the year, Khalil Mack? He had not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but six sacks for the Chargers. How many of you out there even remember that he was on the Chargers? He's been off the radar for a little bit, mostly because that team has underperformed as well. But Justin Herbert, the franchise quarterback, saying shout out to the big dog. Yeah, he's about as good as it gets. You know, I'm super thankful that he's on our team, and uh, you know, I'm I'm not surprised by by it at all. We see it in practice every day. The way he goes about it, he's a true professional, and um, you know, he's a, an incredible leader of our team, incredible player, and he's definitely one of those guys that uh, is fun to watch out there. The minute they decide to get a real head coach in there, that team's going to take off because they have all the talent in the world on both sides of the ball. Keenan Allen, Justin Herbert, Austin Eckler, you got Joey Bosa, you got Khalil Mack. I mean, everything that you could want in a franchise up and down the roster is there. 
But the head coach, to me, is the problem there. He's got to – Staley's got to go, and they got to get somebody in there who can maximize the talent on both sides of the ball. For me, that's their biggest issue. How about a team that basically has no issues, and that is the San Francisco 49ers. Christian McCaffrey also had a banner week last week. We know what Shanahan can do with this offense. He's taking Mr. Irrelevant and making him look – I mean, Falcons fans, would you trade Desmond Ritter for Brock Purdy right now? I mean, I think you'd have to say yes. How could you not? Here was Kyle Shanahan talking about his star running back. Christian's so awesome. He helps us win every time he's out there. Um, but when you got a guy who can do everything, you can always have unbelievable stats. Um, but he shares that with a lot of other guys, and uh, we do whatever it takes to win. So that's, the, to, to me, the thing that would make it the hardest for him, just stats and how it works out. To me, there's no question that the 49ers are the best team in the NFL so far. To me, that's where it starts and stops right there. The Eagles, while they have been good, they are not playing as well as they have last year. Jalen Hurts is not having the type of prolific season that he's had last year so far. Obviously, plenty of time to pick things up. But if you want to ask me who the best team in the NFL is right now, it starts and it stops with the San Francisco 49ers. It is Chris Thomas hanging out with you here on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the other side of the glass, hanging out with you for about another hour. Right now we are ripping and roaring through our NFL sound check with another big Sunday slate ahead starting tomorrow. All right, this next one. Zach Wilson, he actually might be able to throw the ball to a receiver without getting it intercepted or knocked down. That is something that we didn't think was possible during certain points of the last couple of years as his tenure as the Jets' starting quarterback. He actually played really well last week, and so much so that it's inspiring some confidence in New York. I don't know how much, because I think their season was still over four plays in when Aaron Rodgers ruptured his Achilles, but Zach Wilson said, hey, I took a bad snap. I lost us a game that we could have won last week. Right now, we're just having him stay, uh, you know, not be in the building this week. And then, again, Ryan does all the trades and transactions, and we'll decide that as we go forward. So that was, I believe, uh, Bears, either head coach or GM, Matt Eberflus, talking about the Chase Claypool situation that's going on. That was something we were going to get to. So if you missed what happened with that, that was a crazy story that unfolded this week where basically – The Bears said, stay home, pal. You're a cancer in the locker room. We don't want you around, and we'll find a way to get you out of here. Then they trade him to all teams, the Dolphins, because they need another wide receiver going on there, and basically said, hey, we'll take like a sixth and a seventh round pick just to get this guy out of here, somebody that we actually traded a haul for and we thought was going to be a dynamic person on our offense and a game changer and a game wrecker, and essentially now he's in Miami and he's going to be like the fourth guy on the depth chart. Yeah, uh, uh, I was looking forward to hearing Zach, but definitely a misprint on the cut sheet, brother, but that's okay. You know, we keep rolling through the bunches. Hey, listen, everybody everybody gets something wrong once in a while. I'll that's tell you, okay. Man, tell do, we, you. do we have C.J. Stroud talking about the way that they're losing and they ain't flying? I got 56. Let's hope. All right, let's play it. <laughs> that ain't flying from, like, anybody in this building. I want them to know, like, we're firing our tails off every day to make sure y'all walk around with Texan gear pride. Like, Y'all, y'all walk around with that swag that we walk around with when we get a dub. Um, and for me, that's, I take that real personal because uh, I don't like being bagged on by my teams. Like, when my Lakers lose, I'll be pissed. So, <laughs> so like, I, I, tell you, I take that stuff real serious, man. And it's up to us to to work every day and put the work in and 
Um, like you seen, I mean, them, the Steelers fan came came and they showed out today in our stadium, and we sent them home. Um, and I think our our fans felt the energy, like man, we ain't, we ain't playing today, like from the get go. So um, I just want to say, man, like we're gonna keep like we're gonna keep fighting every day just so y'all can walk around with that swag. Um, I think that's huge, man, for this team. That's something that we want to keep building on. And um, it's a blessing to be able to, to be in Houston, like a great town uh, with a lot of stuff to do, great people, uh, hot, Southern hospitality to its finest. Um, and I'm falling in love with the city little by little. So um, it's a blessing. Oh, man. That's what Falcons fans are going up against tomorrow. C.J. Stroud will be coming into the building and looking to continue their hot streak right now. I- I'm worried about it because – if our guy can't match up with their guy, what are we going to do? I mean, is this going to be a 10-6 game? I don't think so. I think the Texans are going to be able to put up some points. And if the Falcons can only muster another, you know, another scoreless ha- Could you imagine ugh, if it's halftime tomorrow and we're looking up and it's 10 nothing again or it's 13 nothing? And there's just, you know, 100 yards of total offense and everything looks slow and plotting like it has the past couple of weeks. I don't think that the Texans are going to come out that way. You hear that is confidence, that is swag, that is speaking the exact right language that needs to be spoken by a quarterback. And listen, don't get me wrong, Ritter does that too. Ritter also says all the right things. He does all the right things. He's a great leader. The guys in the locker room reportedly really, really like him, and they're backing him. We heard Bijan send him a text message saying, I got your back no matter what. So for Ritter, it's all about just putting it out there on the field. And right now, Stroud is able to do something that Ritter isn't, and he's able to talk the talk and walk the walk. All right, one more before we get out of here, wrapping up our NFL sound check. Let's hear from Miles Sanders on getting booed by the home crowd. Yikes. How does it make you feel when you hear the fans booing the offense? It's not it's not cool. Um, it's not cool at all, you know, especially especially at home. It's just not good feeling. No, and obviously the Carolina Panthers, we know, are struggling mightily right now to find their footing with Bryce Young. I think Bryce Young's going to be okay. It's just going to be one of those typical freshman seasons in the NFL where nothing really seems to go right and you need to really look at the film in the offseason and come back with a brand-new strategy. And I I think they'll do that. I think we're going to have to worry about Bryce Young for a long time in this league, but I don't think it's going to be this year at all. That's one team in the NFC South that the Falcons, I don't think, are going to have to sweat coming down the stretch. All right, that'll do it for the NFL sound check. Coming up next, we will head to Kentucky. Welcome in friend of the show, Anna Tarullo. She's a host and reporter covering the Wildcats, and we're going to talk, talk all things Big Blue and Georgia, which gets underway in just about an hour from now. So you don't want to go anywhere. Get a full preview of the dogs and the cats coming up next. Sports Radio 99 The Game, Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.